to yeah, but what's really going on? Where we scratch the surface of what we're saying and thinking to offer some insight into what's really going on. My name's Sarah, and as a transformational coach, I've seen the true magic of inner well-being, despite the human ability to convince otherwise. And I'm Martin, and I've been in the corporate world for 27 years, and I've always been interested in the people aspect of corporate life. I recently obtained a master's degree in workplace health and well-being, and I'm keen to explore the world of people further. So join us each week as we take a real subject that's popped up for us, and with an alternative take, get curious about what's really going on for all of us. So we're calling this episode Sure Up, and it's a chance for us to have a chat about inactivity, silence, I suppose considered boredom, and when things aren't as noisy. This came off the back of something that happened to me this week where I accidentally threw a full cup of tea over my macbook (laughs) (laughs) the macbook is dead people the macbook is dead the the macbook is dead unfortunately but what it did produce was a lot of inactivity for me because i had a lot of work on my macbook so i couldn't do very much deliberate in my perspective (laughs) yeah and what i really noticed was that do you know what the word is uncomfortable discomfort yes that's a good word the discomfort within activity and just a chance to sit there and be bored and inactive and just let your mind wander what i started to see happening was i was searching for something to do oh what do i do next what happens next what do i do next my mind became really fast i was almost getting a little bit desperate and i couldn't just sit and be inactive i think there was an awful lot of noise that i'd got used to i think we've become a an always on society you know whether we are using technology at work or whether you're using technology at home the lines have been blurred significantly and they play an equally important role in our lives perhaps it's been exacerbated by COVID-19 where unfortunately it's all under the same roof now. I think what you found yourself in when you deliberately destroyed the MacBook (laughs) um, was a I haven't got anything to do and I should be doing something and it should be something that probably linked to an output, a productivity-based task. I should be doing emails, I should be writing a blog, I should be doing this, I should be doing that. That downtime, as you told me before, is where the magic happens. Yeah. And I think one of the things that's really underestimated or misinterpreted is that we are naturally quiet as a human being. Well, yeah, I think our default state is quiet. Uh I think through our thinking, we add noise. Okay. But we don't have to seek quiet. We don't have to search for quiet because we are naturally quiet. And we also think that being noisy and having lots going on in terms of output, as you would put it, is a good thing. And it's a productive thing and it leads to success and it leads to actions being completed 
But what I've certainly seen is probably the opposite. Whereas choir equals space, which equals a place to allow possibility, yeah. which is a place to maybe realise something that hasn't been realised before because of all the noise. I think creativity thrives in that quiet. It's very difficult to be creative and do all of the productivity stuff at the same time. Yet we seem to have trained ourselves to seek that busyness. Hmm. Why is that? I think we believe everything we think, so we think it's about doing. And it's a lot about doing equals productivity equals success. So we have to be doing something and we have to pay attention to everything that is going on for us because everything that looks real to us is what we pay attention to. If there's lots going on in an external world, we're paying attention to it all of the time. I think the busyness element is we just think that it's cool to be on the go all the time. And we don't realise that our default setting is just no thing. Yeah. We're talking about phone pickups. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that series of moments during the day, and they can be a few seconds or a few minutes, where our ability as a human being to just sit with that quiet, that solitude, and see that as a valuable part of life, that's the bit for me that needs the work. I'm not suggesting for a minute that we do more, Sarah, because <laughs> I know you tell me off for it. More the, the letting go of, the need to pick up the phone, the need to do something, because doing an additional task, because you've got a few spare minutes on your hands, is not creativity. It's just filling a gap because you're impatient and you think you should be doing something with your time. For me, using those times of quiet to be quiet mm. will make the times when you are busy far more effective because you've had that downtime. A few years back when I co-facilitated some mindfulness workshops at work with a guy called uh, Rob Archer, or now Dr. Rob Archer, who talked about how in the workplace we need to recover better. We need to see recovery as a part of what we do. We cannot be always on the go. And he used the analogy of a professional elite sports per person as a guide for that. They train hard, they then you know, have a bit of downtime before the, the big event, they play the big event. And after they play the big event, whether that's the whole tournament or whether it's a game, they recover. They'll have a massage. They'll have a nice bath. They mm. will relax. They won't do anything yeah. because they know that in order to maintain that high peak of elite sportsmanship, you have to have the downtime. And what Rob used to say to me was at work, we're always a high peak and then a, a very low trough in terms of the high peak being elite performance and the low trough being the recovery phase. Yeah. In work, you don't have them. You have a tiny peak, a tiny trough, a tiny peak, a tiny trough, and you're always pretty much redlining 
Hence why most Friday afternoons, for those of us who work five days a week in that nine to five environment, we're a bit pooped <laughs> by the end of it. We're a bit knackered and we're a bit done in and we've had enough. I'm sure that for all of us, there are opportunities to just take that couple of minutes and see it as a gift to be calm and quiet and free from all of the noise that society shares with us, but also the noise that we create ourselves. It's almost like the opposite is actually the truth. We don't have to strive for quiet. Quiet is who we are and quiet is how we naturally sit in order to react to maybe some of the internal noise that's going on through our own personal thinking. That then perpetuates a almost a snowball effect of is what I'm thinking true? Does it matter? Do I hang on to it? Do I then create a story from it and then go down the hamster wheel, the snowball approach, whatever it is, and that can get you into a almost a world of pain. And the bit around it's just oh sure up doing that in your head, it's like you don't have to react to it, you don't have to behave to it, you don't have to respond to it because we are naturally quiet that's just added noise that we don't have to react to yeah the sure up is you know a kind way of saying to yourself just just take these moments to embrace that solitude and know that you cannot always be on yeah you know there are times at work when it is a bit full on You know, if you've got good energy at that point, you're likely to be able to deal with that. But you cannot do that all the time. You can't do that for 80 or 90 percent of your working week because you will sooner or later, you will end up burning yourself out. What a lot of us do, we just keep going and don't recognize that those those quiet moments, they're just so precious because of the way we live our lives. There's no way that any human being couldn't see the benefit in sitting and not saying anything and just breathing. And yeah, there might be some thoughts rumbling about, but knowing that you don't have to do anything with them and know that they'll they'll roll on. They'll keep appearing. And if you if you don't attach meaning to them, they'll just rumble on. It's really interesting. Now, I mean, we we chatted before we recorded one of the things that. I suppose I wanted to mention was forcing quiet. I'm stressed, therefore I need to be quiet now. I need to sit and I need to be quiet and I need to meditate. I need to calm myself down. I need yeah. to get into a stage of breathing. I need to do all of these things. It reminded me actually of a very, a very funny time when Emily, our daughter, she's 18, she was tiny and we used to play the quiet game. <laughs> a very noisy, she was a very noisy toddler, wasn't she? I think most toddlers are. Yeah. We used to say, okay, Emily, for five minutes, we're going to play the quiet game. And she'd last about 20 seconds. Yeah. And then she'd whisper very loudly, how many seconds is done? Mummy, can I speak? What that says is that forcing anybody to think about something, the more you think about it, the more real it becomes. I need to be quiet. I need to be quiet. I need to be quiet. That's almost generating noise in itself. The natural state of shut up. It happens all by itself. 
And you don't need the... Mum, we can't talk yet. Yeah. We have facilities within our email at work to have focus time, which is basically nobody can book meetings with you in that time slot. Whilst I wish that we could all just do it intuitively, I appreciate in certainly in the in, in the business world, mm. the emails, the WhatsApp messages, all that sort of stuff keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming. But if utilising one of these little benefits, block out a, an hour in your diary, you don't need distractions to, to deal with the matter at hand. And I think if that helps people, then I think that's a great starting point. And we should do more of it naturally. That reminds me of a book that I read by Cal Newport. I was just about, about to say deep work. Deep work, whereas there's a number of ways in which deep work can work for anybody. And one yeah. of those is pockets of the day where you completely cut off from distractions and just work yes. in a really dedicated and focused way. Yes. Cutting out all of the distractions, like switch your email off, switch your Facebook notifications off, all of that. And then outside of that time, great, do what you want. But in that space of time, almost sure up the outside world and then focus intently yeah. on one task. And that's one way in which Cal Newport talked about how deep work can work for people. Yeah, absolutely. And the corporate world is can be an unforgiving world when things are busy. This isn't a do less plea. It is for me. <laughs> let, let me let me just okay, clarify this sorry. point. I think people tend to be always on because they feel that they get more done mm -hmm. by operating that way. And my view is that utilising those opportunities to be quiet, you will be more effective in the time that you are on, but with the same amount of time. When the time comes for you to, to be involved and be in that meeting and, and be writing that presentation, you'll get it done quicker because you're focused on it, because you've had that downtime, yeah. that do-nothing time, do-nothing time, say yeah. Um, <laughs> your, your day won't get extended. You'll have more energy. It's just when those moments come along, don't feel that you have to do something. Just take those that yeah. time because that is a great opportunity for you to recharge for the, for the next thing that's going to come along. And that next thing will come along because, you know, one minute you think there's not much going on. Bang. Something crops up. When it is a little bit quieter, if you've taken that time to go, it's quiet. Yeah, you don't have to be on all the time. Yeah, yeah. You suddenly something comes along and you, you just feel a bit more, a bit more refreshed, a bit more energised. Yeah. And that is how we can be more effective at work. So almost settling into the natural ebb and flow of life, there seems to be lots going on and there probably is lots of actions that need to be completed then to completely focus mm. on but then when that peaks and drops off, don't think that, oh, my God, my productivity has dropped just because how I've been operating has dropped. Yeah. So just settle into the natural ebb and flow of. Your productivity drops because you need it to drop, because you need to recharge, because you cannot keep going at the same pace yeah. throughout the week. So when you have those quiet moments, yes, your productivity drops because that's your recovery period. One other thing that I just occurred was using that phrase sure up again is seeing that in others and not being 
I suppose afraid, I want to use the word afraid, but not being afraid to intervene and be a little bit lovingly disruptive with other people and just maybe pointing out a little bit of, are you behaving in this way that's the best way for you to behave? And are you seeing things clearly and, and being a bit lovingly disruptive with that yeah. speed that's going on for them? I'd love to say to some people, you know what, just shut up, honestly. <laughs> but in a loving way, whatever they're operating at, is it really helpful for you to be dragging yourself down this rabbit hole of fast thinking and fast behaviour and you're really going to end up in a little bit of a an internal car crash if you carry on in yeah. this way? Yeah, give you, give you a very good and pertinent example right now is for a lot of people out there, the return of homeschooling yeah. on top of trying to, you know, hold down your job and do your job well. My sense is that some people get into a good rhythm with it. I appreciate this will differ massively depending on the age of your kids. Obviously, the younger they are, the more attention they need, the more help they need. You know, I do see people getting tired mm. as a result of it. What they are tending to do in my experience, is they're just extending their day. So they'll start work an hour earlier, possibly two hours earlier, get some things done that they would normally be asleep for. I've got one person on my team who who homeschools, and I know there are uh, people on other teams quite close to my team that are homeschooling people. My open comment to the person on my team was, if you would like to have a conversation about how we best manage your energy and your time whilst homeschooling, let's have a conversation about that. Because, you know, lockdown and homeschooling, they're not going to be forever. What I want is people managing their energy effectively. I want them to observe when they're running on empty and using that as an opportunity to put a pin in it and go do you know what i need half an hour i think as well it probably comes to external circumstance if you think it's all on you to make sure that your child isn't somehow detrimentally affected by missing a few weeks of school and you think that's all on you and you think you have to yeah. be teaching them secondary algebra or whatever it may be and you think and i probably sound a bit flippant and i don't mean to be but if, if you me. if you think that's all on you and you think that is um, gonna you're gonna do your child a massive disservice by not doing that and you also then need to carry on doing however many hours a day work that you do and you need to do all the other things that you would normally do outside of work when you probably can't now as easy as you can because of some of the restrictions then yeah, your mind is going to be, you're going to be exhausted because your mind is going to be going a million miles an hour. But let me ask you, what matters? And what in that thinking that you're doing, if first of all, is true? And what in that thinking can you just say, you know what, shut up? Does it really matter that you're not juggling 27 balls in the air at any one given time and you can just drop a few of them what's the worst that can happen yeah absolutely 
there are there are very few people out there who aren't compassionate. It, I can't speak for other businesses, but in my business, we want to have those conversations. Some people are perhaps reluctant to have those conversations because they feel if they're not pulling their weight, their job might be at risk. That they feel obliged to the people that they serve whether that's inside the organization or outside i must do all this sort of stuff today because if i don't then people are relying on me and and, and maybe it'll affect my reputation and all that sort of stuff yeah, yet is it all of this conversation yeah. is going on inside the head and what i'm trying to do with with true. my team yeah. and and i know what other managers are doing is saying if you're feeling the pressure of that or if you're feeling tired or if you're feeling worried about it Let's have a conversation about it, because firstly, nothing is worth your health. And also. Let's be flexible and open minded about what, what our options are here, because this isn't going to be forever. So if you need to take two hours out of your day. To drop your work tools and pick up your homeschooling tools. That's the conversation I want to have. But some people are proud and are reluctant because of fears that they've built up inside their own head and that's the thing built up inside their own head it, it's looking mm. very real right now and yeah. the interesting thing for me to see and i've seen it for myself the thoughts that occur we can choose which thoughts look intensely real and which thoughts we hang on to and which thoughts we don't we can beat ourselves up for not being a good worker and not homeschooling and not juggling 27 balls and not yeah. doing housework and online shopping and all of those things. When it comes to making a choice about whether we have a shower or not during the day or what we cook for our dinner during the day, and we don't beat ourselves up for that. If we miss a shower occasionally or we forget to make the bed or can't choose what we want for dinner. It's like, shall I have fish fingers or should I have pasta? Oh, God, I don't know. Do we beat ourselves up for that? No. We just go oh well you know what i don't know i'll just go out and i'll have pizza instead yeah and it's really interesting for me to see because it's all thought we get to choose which thought is almost yeah i don't know relevant necessary the the, the focal point the attention grabber yeah whatever it may be and the more a thought grabs an attention the more energy and the more noise it produces downside to that and, and i think i speak for both of us when i say that we're not suggesting for a minute that we're advocating you go around telling your teams to be quiet <laughs> and to shush and shut up and pipe down and all that sort of nonsense we're not the the, the, the sure up bit is a uh, having a quiet word with yourself see what i did there having a quiet word with yourself and just thinking you know like but you know what? The minute you get to realise that it's all thought and it's all going on in a, yeah. in a thought-producing world. Sorry, did I interrupt you there? No. I wondered when you were going to get around to this. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you look, but you're right. you look frustrated. No, I'm not. I get frustrated with people at work oh. who I can see are not being kind to themselves. They're trying to do all the work hours and all the homeschooling hours and guess what? They are failing at it. It's not possible. But their expectation of themselves is high. The expectation of the organisation 
and I can only speak for mine, is we're not expecting people to be brilliant homeschoolers and be brilliant at work and somehow combine that into the same as what it has been previously where their kids have been at school. I know, but going back to your frustration, it's really interesting that if that frustration became a little bit of compassion because all that anybody is doing that is operating in that way is just they haven't seen something. No, no. Innocently not seeing something. And I, God, I've done it. I was operating at the speed of thought. You think that everything that comes into your head, you have to action it. You have to behave that on it. Yep. You have to do it. And you have to keep doing all of the time. Correct. Don't stop. Keep going. Correct. And when you do stop, because eventually your body will tell you to stop, thoughts are still occurring. So what do you do then? Well, you try and escape from them. You try and do something to make yourself feel better. So you run, you drink, you eat, eat yeah. you over-exercise, whatever it is that you do. Because you almost want to run away from what's going on because you operate at the speed of thought. The minute you see thought for what it is, without any kind of meaning attached to it, it will just ebb and flow and it will dissipate all by itself. The mind will calm all by itself. And there's a certain level of sure-upness to it. Yeah. You don't have to limp it yourself to anything. Life looks a lot more peaceful. Yeah. I'd have to look up the definition of ebb and flow, but I'm pretty sure it's a good analogy for what we're talking about here, which is life is ebb and flow. There's up, there's down, there's yeah. high and low, there's sunny and cloudy, there's lots of thoughts and sometimes not lots of thoughts. Sometimes we attach meaning, sometimes we don't. Embracing that, possibility as a well-balanced well-lived life mm. is open to all of us well the tide will always come back in yeah but also the tide will go out so that gigantic wave that sometimes it feels like it's coming towards you all the time there is a moment where it's coming towards you but that wave has to crash and when it does it gently dissipates out and comes to the shore mm. and then rolls back out for me, the more that you you identify with thought, you behave as thought dictates, or you get yourself in a thought-tangled environment, it can feel to you like the tide is forever out and it's never going to come back in. You're so far away. From oh, okay. you, you are drowning in the middle of the ocean and you're never going to come back to shore. You're never going to come back home, that home base, that knowing that whatever it is, that naturally settling, it can feel sometimes, and I've been there, I've been drowning in the middle of the ocean. Some of the things that we think can look really real to us. We can think it's our responsibility to teach our three children at home and do eight hours a day and to do whatever else we need yeah. to do. We think that that is all our responsibility. It isn't. It's not true. But it can look incredibly true. When, you, when you're in it. When you're in it, it can look incredible. When you're in it, it just to realise that it looks like that, there's nothing else. There's no other option. No, it's like sure up. There is. Sure <laughs> up. Sure <laughs> up. Saying, saying this amount of sure ups is starting to get to me now because this is normally what Sarah says to me when I'm talking too much. But that's indicative 
of my brain at times, the speed at which it moves at. But it's always interesting to notice when it doesn't. Seeing that for yourself, that you can reach that ease of pace without doing anything. And that's one thing that people always ask me, well, to reach a state of calm, what do I have to do? If you ask me that question, it would be notice when there's a trough and let go of the need to feel productive. If you recharge your batteries a bit, you can soon return to being productive because you've had that recognition, realisation that there's an opportunity there to embrace the quiet. For anybody to see that that peace and calm was their essence, who they're naturally made from. This is where we come from. This is where we originate from. You wouldn't have to do anything to seek it. So it's always there. The irony of that, because lots of us are always on busy, productive people, if we come up against a challenge or a problem, we want to do something to figure it out. We want to do something to try and alleviate that problem. And letting go of the problem can be enormously beneficial. Doing versus being. It keeps coming up that, Sarah. <laughs> it is. I hope that conversation helped. It certainly helped me. Feel free. Under your breath to tell somebody to sure up. Sure up! <laughs> but don't say it really loudly because it sounds a little coarse and abrupt. We don't need We're that in our lives. just noticing people and noticing the people around you when they are operating at that speed. And you can say in your head, oh, sure up. But then even the fact that you've noticed that, I think for me, is massively helpful. Yeah, it's an opportunity to say to them, blimey, you've got a lot going on. Blimey, you look exhausted. You yeah. <laughs> I wonder how different your life would look if you just slowed down a little bit. Yeah. Spoken like a true transformational coach, Sarah. <laughs> Me, spoken like a true line manager. Okay. Well, join us next week. I'm sure something else will crop up for us in the meantime. Yeah. Sending much love. See you soon.